We're going to have a little bit of a break this afternoon from our series through Nehemiah because it's Pentecost Sunday. Surprise, surprise, if you didn't guess that it was Pentecost Sunday, you now know. Uh, it's one of my favorite festivals in the church's calendar. We get to, to pray and see uh, the kingdom come in people's lives. We get to see an outpouring of the Spirit as through these chapters and in our church's life. And it's also the church's birthday globally. We all kind of get to know what Pentecost is, and we all look forward to it. But imagine what it was like for those disciples just over 2,000 years ago. They've just seen the resurrection of Christ, the crucifixion, him nailed to a tree, and they've just seen the resurrection too. These guys are freaking out. Then they had Jesus with them for a little while as he taught and expanded the, expounded the scriptures to him and then said, hang on, wait, wait in Jerusalem until power comes upon you. And then the long wait began. I don't know about you guys, but I hate waiting. I absolutely hate waiting so imagine those disciples meeting daily, praying in the temple courts, seeking his face and saying, come on, God, you told us to wait. Is today the day? And I just wonder if, if they saw Pentecost and went, oh, is it going to happen today or isn't it? But they gathered in the room and the Spirit of God came. For so many of us uh, here at in Telford, across the country, we are waiting. We are waiting for God to reveal himself again to Telford, again to our nation, again to the world. I don't know about you, but I've been waiting and praying, God, pour out your spirit again. Bring social and economic and spiritual change to Telford. Lord, please do it. And we've been waiting. I don't know about you, but I have the sense of something just beginning to change. It's like standing on the edge of a cliff going, we know this is going to happen. And God saying, I know this is going to happen. And very soon he's going to say, jump. And then we'll probably all go, I didn't mean that, Lord. But I don't know about you, but there is that sense of God is doing something afresh. And guess what? I'd have no clue what it is. If you guys know, could you let me in on the secret, please? But what we do have is prayer. So, Father, would you come afresh on our church and on our nation and on our town? Lord, pour out your spirit again. Maybe not the same as that first Pentecost day. But Lord, come and pour your spirit out again over us. Lord, not for our sake, but for those who don't know you's sake. Come and fill us afresh. In Jesus' name. Amen. I think for us there are, there are three things from these 
scriptures that I just want to pull out for us. So do have your Bibles open if you've got them or turn them on. We're in Acts chapter 2. So the three things that I want us to just explore this afternoon is signs and wonders, the explanation of the signs and wonders, and taking action towards them. Three things, signs and wonders, the explanation, and then taking action. In case you didn't know, we are a church that really believes that signs and wonders happens in the here and now. When we pray, we will pray for people for healing and multiplication and breakthrough and prophetic words and deliverance and dreams and visions and all sorts of things. Because we're a church that really believes it. That when we pray, God can't help himself but move. And of course we know sometimes things don't go quite the way we want. But it doesn't stop us praying. I will pray for a thousand people, even if I see one person changed. It's the call of the church to pray. We have nothing else to offer than prayer. Nothing else. We can talk and talk and talk all we want, but we have nothing else to offer than prayer. And to say, why don't you come and know Jesus? We got to pray and see these things happen. So these signs and wonders come in Acts chapter 2. We see the wind of God coming and filling that room. Uncontrolled, violent, from heaven, filling the whole house. There wasn't a single place in that, in that, in that room that you couldn't hear the Spirit of God, the wind of God coming. The very breath of God into that place. That wind, that ruach, the wind that stirred over the waters in the beginning that brought life to the planet, confined in that room. Imagine the creative power in that place. That same wind who led the Israelites through the desert to the Red Sea, parting the waters and saying, come and follow my direction. The wind that brought the valley of dry bones to life. That same wind, that same ruach power coming alive and breathing into people. I wonder what they thought was going to happen. The whole of the creative power of God poured out into flesh and blood. And I'm sure they thought that they might have exploded there and then. What else do we see? First, that wind of God. Then we see tongues of fire. The unexplainable fire of God that comes and rests on them. The fire that set apart God's people in Abraham's covenant. The same fire that God spoke through the burning bush to Moses. The fire that led God's people by day through the Exodus story. That destroyed the prophets of Baal. 
that same fire comes and rests on the head of the disciples, each one of them unexplained. And then they begin to speak. Speak in other languages. Real languages. And we heard that list of of places where they came from that they could understand. And maybe a few heavenly languages too. But the spirit who comes and gives them utterance. Reversing the Tower of Babel. God now in people. They don't need to strive to reach God. God has come and entered into their very being. So that all people could understand. Not just the chosen few, but all people could understand what God is doing. I'll never forget on an Alpha day away, this must be about 10 years ago. We were uh, at a school and uh, this, was, this was part of a teenager's uh, Alpha day away. And uh, we prayed for the Spirit to come. And there's one chap, he was the most quietest person in that Alpha course. He very rarely asked any questions. He very rarely said anything. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came and he began to speak in the most perfect Mandarin anyone would be able to understand. I've never seen anything like it. So much so that one of the, the boarding school kids who were there was, was from China and went... I didn't know you could speak Mandarin. And he went, I can't. But God does the most inexplainable things. Most of the time now, God may give us a heavenly language, but at the same time, he may also help us to speak in a real language that people can understand. But what do these signs and wonders do? They lead people to question. And here we have it in these scriptures. They ask. This is in verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some of them, however, said they've had too much wine. Win. Imagine a group of people following Jesus, and they can't quite get, are they drunk, or what's going on? But they are led to ask questions. What does this mean? Or are they drunk? See, because when the church operates in signs and wonders, it leads people to question, doesn't it? When we pray for people and we see someone healed, people go, what's that about? I want some of that. When someone's given a word and it just unlocks someone's heart and they are radically changed... They ask questions. Ooh, can I have some of that? When all of a sudden you go, oh, there might just be that one thing in your life. And God's just saying this. They go, I want to know that God. There is power there. See, a church that doesn't operate in signs and wonders, can it really be called the church? Controversial. This is our inheritance. The Spirit of God comes and fills us, not just to do work inside the church, but to do work outside the church. See, gathering on a Sunday is not just so that we get that warm, fuzzy feeling and we sing, sing out and it's wonderful, although we can't because of masks. But it's not for us, guys. 
It's for people out there. It's for people that we work with. It's for people that we bump into at school. It's for people who, when we're doing COVID tests, they are like, yes, that's for you. And they ask questions. It draws people in. So the second thing we see in this Pentecost story is that there needs to be an explanation. Because if someone asks a question, we've got to say, this is the answer. And good old Pete stands up and gives an answer. This is the guy that got it so completely wrong, now stands and says, this is what this all means. Don't worry, they aren't drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. But it's in those last days. So from, uh, from Joel chapter 2. In those last days, said God, I will pour my spirit out on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. Amazing, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I pray that same prayer really, really regularly. God, come and pour your spirit out again, because this is what your church needs. See, they've seen some of the signs already. The wonders in heaven above and the signs of the earth below. We know that it went completely dark. Moon turned to blood at the time of crucifixion. And here, God is coming and breathing his spirit into his church, and they come alive like those army of dry bones. See, it's not just for for the special people. The spirit of God is not reserved for, for the vicars of this world, but for all people. The spirit of God in the Old Testament came and rested on priests and prophets and kings and leaders and a donkey. But now the spirit's in you and in me for all people, regardless of age or sex or demography or social standing or nationality, all people. People could understand what they were saying because the Spirit gave them the utterance. Peter explained this from the scriptures so that they knew it wasn't just this weird thing. That this was part of God's plan through all of the generations. To have the fullness of the Spirit in them. And it's from this Jesus, if we look at verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to God by to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which he did among you, through him as you yourselves know. See, the signs and wonders point to Jesus. If they don't point to Jesus, then let's get rid of them. If we're not pointing people to Jesus, the signs and wonders are just a magic trick. We are there to point to Jesus when we Pray, and in Jesus' name, these things happen. The explanation of why these things happen were there too. It's all because of him. 
that man you guys crucified, it's because of him that all this is happening. And even King David, do you remember him? Yeah, he spoke about this too in Psalm 16. My Lord said to my Lord. See, even King David knew that Jesus was coming, that this day of Pentecost was coming, and he's been exalted, Jesus, to the highest place. Peter here says that Jesus is the Lord and the Messiah. He's greater than King David. He's the Messiah, the promised one who's going to come and restore everything to himself. See, when the Spirit comes, he gives us the understanding to be able to make the Scriptures relevant to people and to point them to Jesus. I think if we started to explain all the stuff about King David to someone in Telford Town Centre, they'll be like, what on earth are you on? But we can say, hey, do you remember that Jesus guy? You probably learnt about him in RE in school. It's that Jesus that is making you walk again. It's that Jesus who's just healed your spouse. It's that Jesus who's just told us everything about you. Why don't you come to know him? See, because when we explain that it's all about Jesus and part of his plan since the beginning of the world, it leads people to action. They've then got to do something. And we see that in these scriptures too. What do they do? Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Because we can see the signs and wonders and they can blow our minds. We can have the world's biggest explanation and it's all really watertight. But unless we step out and do something, all that is really for nothing. Because the knowledge that we gain leads us to action and it's here. What must we do? They ask. And Pete, good old Pete says, come on, repent and be baptized. Turn 180 degrees from the path that you were on to the path that Jesus is leading you on and be baptized, washed clean. That's what we're going to be doing in the Telford Town Center. We're going to be saying, hey guys, stop living life your way and live life Yahweh. I'm so terrible. That... Wow. I actually got a chuckle, which is, you know, unheard of. But we live God's way. So what does he offer? Forgiveness of sin. Hey, we get things, we mess up so often, but we get forgiveness. We're set free from it. It's like we hand over the, the, the bag full of rocks to someone else and we walk free. That's what salvation means that there's freedom, that there's healing from all of that sin. And we receive the Holy Spirit, just like that day of Pentecost. A free gift. The promise of God. Well, who, who gets this promise? It's in there too. You and your kids and all who are far off. Everyone who is far off. And we see a glimpse in there 
and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whether they are uh, a year old or whether they're a 100 years old, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what does that then lead to? A church that uh, does signs and wonders, a church that has the knowledge to explain this to people, a church that has led people in action, well, it leads those people into mission. See, a church that's not filled with the things of the Spirit won't be a missional church, because there's all this stuff and all this ritual that we've just got to keep on doing. See, a church that's filled with the Spirit can't help but be missional because that's what God does in us. Because the Spirit's not for in here, it's for out there. And mission is just part of the overflow of God's work in our lives. So how about we just wait on the Spirit? How about we call on the name of the Lord? Why don't we say, Spirit, come and fill us again? So why don't we stand?